You're listening to the John Clark Cast. I'm your host, John Clark, licensed counselor, group practice owner, and a guide for therapists trying to build a better business without all the overwhelm. And in this episode, I'm sitting down with uh, my former financial coach, Lynn Summerman. Um, and I will say, as a preface to all this, working with Lynn was one of the most transformative things that I've ever done in my business. So I can't recommend it enough to, for you to get help with your finances. Um, it was really, really impactful for me. And anyway, she's just a wonderful person. She's especially a good fit for therapists. And in this conversation, we just had a blast talking about all things money. We talked about the roots of uh, money issues for therapists. Um, we talked about, um, uh, let's see, uh, where therapists get stuck, small business owners get stuck when it comes to managing their money, why you need a budget, um, and this idea of the glorification or really the over-glorification of scale and what goes wrong when you try to scale. So um, one more thing, somehow I forgot to plug in my mic for this episode. So I was sitting there like a big idiot with the mic up against my stupid face. And, uh, I guess it wasn't selected on the input. So I apologize profusely for that. Um, but then again, it happens, <laughs> but I won't let it happen again. So, um, thanks in advance for your forgiveness around that. Um, but rest assured the content is there. The content is very solid. It's a great episode, a really fun one. Um, and without further ado, let's dive in. I want to help you grow a highly profitable private practice and become the business owner you've always imagined. Coming up in just a couple weeks on April 18th, I'm launching a new Business Made Human coaching community group. Uh, I've been doing these Business Made Human groups for quite a while now, and the results that the therapists in these groups have been having have been stellar. Um, therapists are working less and making more. They're living more balanced lives and not letting their business rule their lives. Um, they're less stressed, more confident and secure, and more connected to others. Uh, we meet every single week for one hour uh, for group coaching with me, and the results um, just continue to be really, really powerful. So um, if you're interested in being part of one of these groups, they're limited to eight people each, then get in touch right away. We focus on work. We focus on health and wellness. We focus on family. We focus on having an impact. These are the things that really matter. So if you're at all interested or just want to learn more, head to thejohnclark.com forward slash BMH for Business Made Human. That's thejohnclark.com forward slash BMH. I hope to have this group, um, these groups full within uh, about the next seven days or so. So if you're listening to this now, hop on that link uh, and you can grab a quick call with me and we'll get you all signed up. So I'm really excited to be expanding this community and I really hope that you'll be a part of it. Again, thejohnclark.com forward slash BMH. Lynn Summerman is joining me today. Lynn Summerman helps entrepreneurs feel less stupid and sad about their money. How's that for an introduction or a bio? Through practical skill building, habit change, and mindset work. She loves speaking about budgeting as radical self-care and coaching a client when they light up, 
realizing they're not doomed after all. She lives in South Portland, Maine, with her feisty daughter, snaggletooth dog, and chickens named after strong women. I'm, I have a list of all the bios of guests, and yours is just just crushed it. Yeah, thanks. That's yeah, gonna be so I, uh, hard to follow for future. You know, guests. I like to. I, I find that so many money people are dry, and I <laughs> so many people I, in general I'm are not. Dry. So. <laughs> so many people in life are dry, especially with their bios. Yeah. Yeah. I I think um, I have suffered from that same feeling of like, I need to be uber professional at mm. all times. And, and that, that time of my life is over. I'm a real mm. person who just happens to know a lot about this stuff. So now how did you make that transition, that identity transition then? Let's just get right into it. Yeah. So um, I think it's, you know, it's funny. I got into, people always ask me like, why did you start your business? And I was like, oh, I didn't really intend to start this business. I just, I, I really came out of my own journey, figuring out my money stuff and having like, you know, having had, you know, bad money habits mm. and having gotten myself into bad money situations, like coming out of college with too much student loan debt and, you know, the American dream, lots of credit card debt, lots of student loan debt, a liberal arts degree that I couldn't get a job with. Like, right. It's like, <laughs> Oh, what a, what a delightful situation I'm in now. So, um, really having to learn all the ways, you know, I read all the books and, you know, I read all the blogs. This is like pre really before podcasts were a thing, but I tr sort of tried all the things and, and figured out some things that worked and worked really well. And, um, I started just helping people that I knew and, you know, those people told other people and so and so. And, and eventually somebody said, how much do you charge? And I was like, I don't charge money for this. And they were like, you should, <laughs> I'm just a nice person. and you do now. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and I did, I did that for a little while on the side and then, uh, I was really fortunate and the demand sort of became enough that I was like, I think this can be a thing. Mm. Um, and my journey to getting to a point where I feel really comfortable with that and really finding my voice has just been, it's just really come out of doing it a lot of talking to a lot of people, helping a lot of people and doing it over and over again and, and finding, finding that way. When I, I was just telling someone yesterday, I was like, I used to try and sell budgeting and it turns out no one actually wants a budget. <laughs> <laughs> like they may need a budget, but, but nobody, nobody's like out there being like, where can I find a budget? Like, where can I find a way to restrict my life and feel like I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, one, right. no one's looking for that. So like, I really they, took they a lot of the result of a budget, which is exactly more money in, in your pocket or exactly. They want to feel better later. about it. They want to yeah. feel like they got a raise. The they want the, the outcome. So mm -hmm. really, it really took a lot of trial and error of figuring out like what's landing with people and, and really just letting go of some of my own attachment to feeling like I need to be this like super professional and, mm -hmm. and just being like, actually, people want to buy from a human being yeah. who also can teach them and who can also be an expert in this area, but who can do it in a way that feels really relatable and approachable and real. And is able to just say, Hey, yeah, you can, you can also be a real person with me. Like you can bring me your dirty laundry and show me your, your finances that you're maybe a little bit ashamed of or oh, anxious yeah. about. And, and that's going to be okay because you're, I'm also a regular person. And like, I couldn't do the thing. Like I couldn't possibly be a therapist, I bet um, you even could. though what I do definitely has like a, a therapy aspect aspect to it you're like a money therapist <laughs> like i tell people all the time like i'm not you're, right. you're already like a money <laughs> right therapist. There's, there's definitely an aspect of that <laughs> yeah but yeah so it's a lot of trial and error i think like anybody else so okay yeah. there's a lot in there 
and a lot of threads that I want to follow. Yeah. And then I can't find my pen, so I'm not going to follow any of them because if I don't have a pen, I don't have a brain. That's how that worked. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a pen. <clears throat> so yeah. that's how prepared I am. Um, <clears throat> one thing is that it's like people have asked me, like, what makes you qualified to do X, Y, and Z? Or in my case, what makes you qualified to help mm. other therapists get clients? It's like, well, I just started doing it and doing more of it. And then I helped a couple people. And then I, and then I charged them. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I kept doing it. I just was really helpful. And yeah. I just did, do it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I just kept solving problems for people and then and then I needed to create a website to tell people how I do that, you know? And it's like right. people have an incredible way of overthinking things or overthinking like how could I build a business or build an online business or a course or whatever. And it really all starts with solving a problem for people and making yourself just ridiculously helpful. Absolutely. I tell people all the time, I was like, the best marketing is to be really good at what you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and really that's what it comes down to. I, you know, I have... It's funny. I have um, I have a fair number of people. I'm sure you. I'm sure you have the same thing. Where people come to me and they're like, "I want this sort of business that you have. How did you, mm-hmm. like, what would you give tips to you five years ago or whatever?" And and they always ask, "What sort of certification as a coach do you have?" And I was like, "None." <laughs> and they were like, "Well, what?" Do-? And I, I was like, "The only person you ever <laughs> asked that question are other people who want my job." And I was and, like, "My and, clients yeah. have never asked me." That. And there are people they want to know how can you help me? That I the only reason I'm not doing like financial coaching or business coaching is because I don't have the the credential or the this or the that mm-hmm. or they they you know they convince themselves I need to be twice as qualified in order to help someone with a problem in their life. You just you don't need that. And like I just really aimed to be as helpful as I can to as many people as mm-hmm. I can, and that's what my clients want. They mm-hmm. want someone to help them. They want someone to help them find the way and get the results. And, and that's really the primary qualification that you need. Be mm-hmm. helpful. And like, if someone, if like, if you find a way that you're not being helpful, be more helpful, go get like the specific thing that you need in order to be as helpful as you can. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that in my experience, I have not needed a coaching certification or something for that. Mm-hmm. Now, do I, do I like, you know, watch podcasts and do videos about like a specific, you know, way to coach better in this situation? Sure. But I don't need a long program for that. I certainly mm-hmm. don't need to go into debt for that. I am fortunate that like there's a there's enough demand for what I do to just be as helpful as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it really, like you said, it just starts with being really helpful and then just making it easy for other people to find you and be able to help more people. Mm-hmm. Sounds easy when you put it that way. Yeah, I mean, and it's not that it people happens listening to this overnight. Are going, but... it's, not, it's, not, well, it's not really that easy and you need... You know, it's. I would say that's simple. It may not be that easy. That's profound. My yeah. my martial arts struct, instructor says that it's one of the few English mm. phrases that he likes to use whenever we're doing like drills or something or something technical. He always goes simple but not easy. Simple yeah. but not easy. And I yeah. think about that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because we have yeah. ways of overcomplicating things. Um, and we also have. I'm shocked at how incredibly unprepared adults are to handle money to even handle a dollar so what's up with that we yeah it's the most common thing people say to me like hands down is i like they're like this like it's like they're revealing a big secret to me they're like i don't i don't really know what i'm doing with my money and then the I'm secret like, they assume everyone like, else does of course of yeah. course you don't know what you're doing yeah 
like, first of all, nobody knows what they're doing. Yeah. Nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. Like if, if people listening take one thing away, let me tell you that no one knows what they're doing. If people knew what they were doing, I wouldn't have a job. Yeah. Um, but they don't know what they're doing. And I say this, I work with people who make $20,000 a year. I work with people who make multi-million dollars a year. Mm -hmm. Everyone is, has questions about this. Mm -hmm. They're different questions, but everyone is confused. And that's mm -hmm. because we don't teach anyone about this. And then we make it really weird to talk about. Like we, we mm -hmm. make it super weird. Like we aren't going to talk to our friends about it. There are things that we don't teach people about, but we make what, it what more comfortable is? to talk about with other, or like our peers or colleagues. And mm -hmm. we make money super weird to talk about. So I think it's really, really common. And I think fundamentally there are some issues of just in terms of, you know, I, people are like, well, why don't we teach this in schools? And I was like, because the adults don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And people are afraid <laughs> to put their foot down about something. They're afraid to, yeah. they're afraid to, to, you know, stake their claim on something like debt or credit cards or the finance mm -hmm. industry or, uh, like, buying stocks so it, it is it's one of those things that everyone just kind of assumes that someone else is teaching it like the school's not teaching mm -hmm. it well it must be your mom and dad and then your mom and dad are like well I, they're really confused too they're really confused too and they are like working through their own often like generational yes. kind of issues yes. of of spending and how you learned about mm -hmm. money and how you learn about worth you know, as, mm -hmm. a, as a kid and stuff and all these kind of implicit messages. So half the time, parents are still working through all that crap. Yeah, they don't feel comfortable teaching anybody else about it. No, and they don't want to screw their kid up either. <laughs> they exactly. don't want to make it worse. So they're like, let's exactly. just not talk about it until, you know, until there's a mess or uh, right. you know, that kid becomes a young adult and yeah. gets their first job and realizes, totally. I can't live on X amount of dollars or you know, what do you mean I have to save for retirement or whatever it is. Right, right. I also think we, we do, um, like culturally, and I think this is just sort of a general thing that we do is like, there's a lot of advice out there about, about your money. Mm. There's a lot of, um, and it's, it's not bad advice. It's just so generic as to be virtually useless mm -hmm. to any actual human being, like spend less than you earn. Yeah. That that's true. Like you should do that. But how do you do that? Yeah. How do you do that in your situation? Like how do you actually make that happen when you don't have the revenue, you know, the you know, revenue coming in? Or mm. how do you like what does that actually look like in someone's life? And so I think we look at these things and, and the advice is out there and they're like, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I should just like save some money. Mm. And you're like, Great. But then people come to me and they're like, But I don't know how to I don't know how to do that. I know what I should be doing. I don't know how to get myself doing that. And that's sort of why mm -hmm. Um, I sort of, like I, you know, like you said in my intro, it's like practical skill building, habit change and mindset work, because you get those three things going together and that's how you, that's how you actually do the thing. Well, people because spending have, less than you earn is, is more than just a skill. Well, then people know? have no vision into what's actually happening with their, with their money or where it's going or in the mm -hmm. case of business owners, where it's, what's coming in and what's going out. So they end up making, we end up making decisions completely randomly based on emotion mm -hmm. and based mm -hmm. on, I just had a really mm -hmm. good week in private practice. Mm -hmm. So I think I should get a new MacBook pro. Uh huh. Yeah. Or absolutely. I, you know what I mean? It's just, it's so, it's so reactionary and it's so blind. Completely. Um, it's just, it's, it's incredible how we allow ourselves to just be completely, um, either riding the wave or getting pulled under. Uh, on, yeah. on any given day a therapist can have a really good day of clients meaning all six of them showed up all six of right, them they paid, all paid and they're like <laughs> i'm rich thank god and the next day half of them cancel and you go mm -hmm. i'm poor 
dear God, yeah. what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So how do you help yeah. people through that? So like for me, this really comes down to having a really good view of the reality of the situation, right? So knowing where, like having some sort of system for tracking where money is coming in and where it's going out and, and stepping back from that enough to see some trends. So recognizing like, okay, this time of year is always busy for me. That doesn't mean I should go invest in some new big thing Mm -hmm. because next, like next quarter is like historically not going to be as busy. So I want to put some money aside. So like seeing some of those trends, seeing some cash flow things, recognizing that a good day does not a good business make. Um, you know, I think it's really easy when things are like when things are going well or badly to decide that that is the new reality. Mm-hmm. And so I talk a lot about <clears> focusing <throat> on facts rather than feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, how much money is in your bank account? is just a fact. It doesn't need to be a feeling. It doesn't mean anything about who you are or who your business is. So really focusing on like, hard numbers, like giving yourself the permission to like, look at actual numbers, and feel whatever you're going to feel about them. And then you can start to make a plan from there. Like, Mm. um, and I'm a big fan, as you know, John love making budgets. I'm Uh like a huge (laughs) fan of like budgeting in your personal life and in your business. So and what I mean by that is really just making a plan for where, where the money is going to go. You kind of have to reframe that word because when you say budget, people tense up and they go, I'm good. I'm just going to (laughs) keep, I hate budgets. I'm going to work with the financial coach who doesn't make me do that. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it really, for me, budgeting is really about self-care. It's about seeing Mm. this is the resource that I have and it happens to be money. What do I need and want it to do for me before I get more of it? And so for me, budgeting is really about making a decision about what your money is going to do before your emotions do it for you. Mm. Because you're going to spend that money. Um, So finding a way to do that. And it really can be as, um, you know, I I talk a lot with people about, you know, money is just a resource that we have. It's a finite resource. The money that we have in our bank account right now is finite. We're going to get more of it. We don't know how much or exactly Mm. when, but we will get more of it. But the money we have today, we know exactly how much we have of it. And... we get really tied up in emotions when we talk about money. We start, I ask people like, what do you do to manage your money? And suddenly they're talking about their grandparents and you know, Mm. the great depression and this, and their partner is a spender and they're more of a saver. And it's like, no, 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 that's not, (laughs) we don't need to go there. I mean, it's useful context, but that's not really the same sort of thing. So one of the things that I do is I ask people to tell me about like their weekend. Mm -hmm. How did you decide what you were going to do with your weekend? What plan did you have? What changed? What did you do when that changed? How did you decide what needed to get done? What did you want to get done? And because of the same sort of thing, you have a weekend, you have 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And we don't have the same emotional ties to that. So we have this sort of resource and we can just say, what do I need and want this to do for me before I get more of it? Um, so I think that can be a really useful reframe of just saying like, this is just a resource that I have like time or energy or attention, any other resource that I have that I will get more of it, but I don't know when. Um, so what do I want this, this resource that's sitting right in front of me? What do I need it to do for me? You know, when you're planning your day or your weekend, or I have this much energy, what do I want to get done right now? It's, it can be that same sort of thing. And that can be a really helpful reframe um of of taking sort of all of this context and being okay that's important but it's sort of a separate thing um it's a separate practice of working through that stuff than it is of saying okay well these are the bills that are coming out in the next week and then i've got a little bit left over so i'm gonna i'm looking at my 
historical information, maybe I'm going to save a little bit, or maybe I will invest in that thing or, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, going from there. And there's different systems and tools obviously within that, but it can, I think starting with that, um, setting some of those emotional mindset, you know, and like, like you said, generational things, Mm -hmm. you know, taking that and going, yes, it's important context. And I want to look at that, but that's going to be a separate thing from deciding what I need this money to do for me. Why do you think that money is such an emotional thing? That's a great question. I think it's just money is, is so much about worth, right? Because, because we use the same word for like your net worth, like meaning how much money do you have? I've never thought of that And as well as like self-worth, like how, how much am I worth? I think we really, we like really tie those two things together. Like, and, and you know, like as a society, and I think we all sort of do this, like people with more money, we value as being better people. And mm. um, and I think if you actually stop and think about it, people are like, well, I don't really believe that people with more money are just better people. But I sort of like there's like all of these systematic ways that that shows up and mm-hmm. reinforces that. And I think, um, you know, and because different people have different amounts of it, we all have the same amount of weekend you know, when we go into the weekend, we all have 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no value attached to like, oh, they must have worked harder. They have more weekend than I do or, you know, these different things. And so we have this uh, like societal intrinsic value. So I think it does take a lot of work. And I don't think, you know, it's people feel really ashamed that they attach all this meaning to it. And I think that's mm-hmm. it's just it's an inherent thing. Um, money is we have, we have as a society made it this emotional thing, but we also have an ability to separate that a little bit and say, okay, Mm. for me, I'm going to, I'm going to have these be two separate things. So the day-to-day management of my money can be a different thing than the relationship to my money. And they're both important, but they're different. Mm -hmm. So, um, the way that I, how I know you is that you worked with me. Mm-hmm. And as my mom would say, bless your heart. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> because in fact, I think you were the first person that ever worked with me on my money. Yeah. Which again, well, bless a your lot heart. of people like never work with anybody on their money. I just remembered that. And I can't remember how I found it. It was just through a Facebook group or something. And I yeah. felt like I hit the jackpot because, um, it was like, even though I think I'm, I'm decent at business, I'm getting mm-hmm. a lot better. I've gotten a lot better since I've worked since I worked with you, and because I worked with you. <laughs> but I do remember what it felt like to when you and I were getting started, and even like working together. And it's like, okay, John, just send me your stuff. You know, send me your finances. And I'm like, oh, you're you like, have to oh, see wait, all I, of it. <laughs> you know, like you're like. This is like very raw, yeah. real, vulnerable stuff. It's like showing you my report card when I'm in, like in fourth grade. I'm like, can I just show you the top part? Right. The, I was always good in social sciences, which is not surprising, and really right. bad at math. So like, can I can yeah. just show you the social sciences part. Yeah. But it was that feeling of like, oh, I do have to show you all of it, and I do have to potentially come to terms with some difficult realizations. And I will say... Mm-hmm. Um, one realization that I'll never forget is I had thought that at the time of one of my businesses, I was way more profitable than I was. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting down and I almost felt mad at you for telling me I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and literally all yeah. you were doing was reading numbers and going, mm-hmm, yeah, so gross revenue looks really good. Um, your profit as the owner 
um, looks really bad. Or you didn't say it that, but you just said yeah. that literally this is what you're profiting. And I'm just going, dear God, that can't be right. And then right. I'm going, dear God, what do I need to change? I, I need to make tons of changes. And I, I just remember that feeling. And since then, I'm just, I've seen so many therapists I work with, we've had that kind of moment, especially group practice mm-hmm. owners who have, they yeah. have, they try to scale up and they try to scale too fast and their mm-hmm. gross revenue is through the roof and they're making less than they ever made as a solo practitioner, as, a, yeah, as absolutely. one person. So I remember how emotional that felt for me and I almost didn't want to hear it. And yet yeah. it was pivotal. It was pivotal because it changed a lot of what I did. I started behaving differently. I did cut down on expenses. Mm-hmm. I reevaluated the model. I reevaluated mm-hmm. my team, which was huge um, and has always been and still is kind of a big part of money, how money issues show up for me is team yeah. and wanting to please people or wanting to whatever Absolutely. at the yeah, cost Yeah, especially as a therapist, myself. that's, that's yeah. what you're called to do is help people yeah. and to be there for people. Exactly. Yeah. So it was transformational for me and working with you and, and it was not just financial coaching. Really, it's it's a bit of everything. It's a bit of therapy. It's mm-hmm. a bit of personal coaching. It's strategy. Mm-hmm. It's it's decision making. But it was just huge for me. Um, and then you got it. Can, to, it's it's, got a, it's usually a very emotional thing. Yeah. Like when we, when I sort of like reveal the facts. Yeah. You know, it can be really difficult. And I think people either have they either get mad at me or they cry. You know, it's either one. I probably cried later. It's one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I see what you're, you know, what you were talking about with group practices. And I see this with people mm-hmm. who are di- like trying to scale by growing their team and moving to that sort of agency model mm-hmm. or like the group practice or whatever that might look like for their business. I see that super commonly. They're like, but I'm making so much money. And they're like, no, you're making so much revenue. Huge it's a different, difference. it's a huge, oh huge different thing. And what I, I hear people say, I never forget. I had, I had someone say, you know, I'm really sick of being the hardest working, lowest paid member of my team. Always. And I was like, that, that's it. Exactly. That mm-hmm. is ex- exactly it. And yep. then I think we, you know, so when you, when you move to that group model, people are working harder than they've ever worked. Yeah. And, and ultimately a, frequently liability. taking home yeah. less than they've ever made. <clears throat> yeah. And they, they, when you ask them, why the hell are you doing that? <laughs> why, are you, why are you allowing that to go on in your business? They usually say, because I'm the business owner, it's almost like, so I must bear the burden of this whole thing yeah. that I built, this whole beast that I built, when in fact, it's the opposite. You should treat yourself like your best employee. And if this thing because you are you your built, best employee. doesn't start feeding you soon, you go, are going to resent it. Yeah. You're going to burn out. You're going to, yeah, you're going to crash absolutely. and burn. And if you're not already, and usually that's when therapists reach out and they go, oh, I'm in big trouble or I've got a $30,000, you know, outstanding, uh-huh. you know, accounts receivable or whatever. Now I need help. Um, and then they call you and they go, can yeah, you <laughs> can you help Yeah, me no, absolutely. Recover? And I, I think that's, I think that's so true. And I think that people, um, like you said, they just have this idea that being a business owner is about sacrifice. Yeah, I don't know who started that. What, um, yeah, it's it's dumb. Yeah. That's yeah. not what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't need to be like that, and it shouldn't be like that because you can't help anyone if you go out of business, mm. which is what will happen. You know, like yeah. like and, which is difficult to hear. I think, especially when you look at the numbers and go, if this continues, you're going to go out of business, mm-hmm. and it may take years. But it will yeah. like that will happen if you if you know if you don't if, like profit is how you pay yourself profit mm-hmm. is how you grow your business profit is how you protect your business from a slow cash flow season mm-hmm. it's how you protect yourself from an employee that you thought was good that didn't turn out well like that's 
the point of profit, as well as just paying yourself for taking the risks of being the business owner. Mm -hmm. You know, being the business owner might be more work, but it should definitely be better mm -hmm. than being an employee. Like it yeah. should, you should have benefits of that. And I think, I think that's a perspective shift to just generally speaking of taking these risks should benefit me in some mm -hmm. way, not take a, take away from me, mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's a big one, but, um, but yeah, so sometimes that really just takes a good, like, you know, and like you said about the, looking at the model, like, um, I've had some people I've worked with when we looked at their model, we found that some of the people that work for them were actually actively costing them money to have on the mm -hmm. payroll, um, because of, you know, various things and it, it should have made sense, but it didn't, you know, when we actually looked at the numbers, it didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And I, and some people, you know, there are models that are profitable, but they're not scalable at that profit level. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that can be a really difficult one is to actually stop doing something that is profitable mm -hmm. because it's not profitable enough or it's not profitable enough for the level of work that you put into it or the level of enjoyment that you get out of mm -hmm. it. Because one of the first questions I always ask people is, what sort of business are you trying to build? Mm -hmm. Because the point of this is that, you know, it's about your life and the business that you want. You don't want to be build, building a business that might be profitable, but you hate. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you don't want to go into group practice, you don't have to. You know? And most people are quite accidental in the way they fall into it yeah. and fall into group practice ownership. It's... It's a it's a point where I think I differ even from other private practice consultants is most people say, Yeah, scale that bad boy, scale you know, scale it up, hire ten people, get the office suite, you know, whatever, buy the building, whatever you need to do, because you've got to scale this thing. And it's like the glorification of scale. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> I sat down with um uh, one of my own coaching clients not long ago who is, has been thinking for a while about her her first hire. Uh, mm -hmm. turning into a group practice and I said what would be um, and she's really ambivalent about it really really ambivalent and I'm like well what would be a meaningful amount of money that making this hire could bring you that would that would that would mm. be meaningful right or be life-changing and she said uh, you know like a thousand dollars a month a thousand or twelve hundred dollars a month mm -hmm. and I said okay just for the sake of the argument if you if someone forced you to make that money um, another way, how would you do it? And she had five mm. ideas, right? Yeah. Right off the bat. And it was, yeah. okay, so let's just think about that, right? Um, because there's a lot of ways to make money. And, that, and well, you know, your business is, is case mm -hmm. in point that there's a lot of ways to make money, especially when it comes to making money online or, again, helping mm -hmm. people solve a problem or doing things that don't necessarily mean a 10-person team is the only way to make X amount of dollars. Mm -hmm. And I need to sacrifice my income or my life or my family or my kids or whatever for the next year mm -hmm. and a half so that I can scale this thing. Like, it's just it's just madness. Yeah. Well, I love what you said, the glorification of scale. Mm -hmm. You know, scale is, you and know, I think we think of it as like, well, we, we have to scale, we have to scale. <laughs> and what we mean by that is I want to make more money. And those aren't necessarily the same thing. You know, you don't necessarily need to scale in order to make more money. Sometimes you do, but sometimes it's like, like, like you said, well, what else could you do if you had to do this? Um, there's a, I don't know if you're familiar, Don, with the book Profit First oh, yeah. it's by Mike Michalowicz. So yeah, it's gotten really popular among therapists. Yeah, exactly. Year, so. mm -hmm. It's a fantastic book and I, I, I love it and recommend it. And I, I work with a lot of people that implement that system into their business, which has been awesome. But, um, 
one of the things that I love in there is he says, what would you do if I said you had to do twice as much with half as much resources? Mm -hmm. And your brain immediately is like, well, I could do this and I could do that and I could do this. And you're like, there you go. Start with those things. Right. How can you start doing those things right now? And then if you still are like, yeah, and I'm hungry for scale or I love, I love, man maybe you love managing people, in right. which case, by all means, right. that can be a way to do that. But really, you know, being thoughtful about it rather than accidental, like you said, is really common. So thinking about like, what sort of business do you want to run? What sort of life do you want to be having? And what sort of revenue do you need to have to sort that and, and like get really creative? Like, how could I get to that point? And it could be that you might look at your expenses and say, you know what, when I'm looking at it this way, this thing is a nice to have, it's not a need to have, yeah. and I would rather have that money as profit. Yeah. I would rather have that money go to me so that then I don't have to hire somebody but I really don't want to have to manage anyone. Yeah. You know, it, you make different decisions when you sort of, you know, I don't want to say put the gun to your head, but just sort of ask yourself the question, like the hard question of like, what would I do if I needed to do this thing without doing it, th doing it the way that I'm thinking that it has mm -hmm. to be done? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So... It can, it can, you know, really, and again, looking at your numbers, looking at real numbers, you know, I know for me, um, when I, so I used to have a bookkeeping practice, as you know, um, and I don't anymore. And that business was profitable. It wasn't that it wasn't profitable, but in order to scale that, um, it would require bringing on more team members and more work. And it just didn't end up being, I didn't want to do that. I just yeah. didn't, that wasn't, it didn't make sense for me. Um, and it didn't. It wasn't the sort of business that I really wanted to be building. It wasn't what I wanted to be known for. Well, and it wasn't um, really the the thing that was going to help you have the most impact. Exactly. Because this is really, and I'm just again going to compliment you sincerely. This like coaching really is like your what people in yeah. my mastermind group call your zone of genius, right? And yeah. so you, for you to be doing a lot less of that because the yeah. bookkeeping business is viable, but a lot of moving parts to it is really yeah. a loss for you. And it's a loss to yeah. people that you could help. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you could yeah. have very well said, screw it, I'm going to still keep scaling it. Or people rationalize themselves re retroactively, right? Or with the group practice and everything, they go, I've already started this thing. I've already built it. I've already gotten people right. involved. Therefore, like I I'm must stuck be with a martyr. And yeah, like I can never divorce this thing. Um, yeah. And that's just... It's just not true. It's just not true. And, and I guess, so what would you say... What was that process for you like in, in, in letting go of the bookkeeping business, ending with those clients? And did you have any fear of like, what if people are upset or mad or like? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so initially, actually, I had come to that decision. I was trying to make, I, I felt this tension between coaching and bookkeeping. And I felt like I needed to pick one to focus on and then I could come back to the other one. And when I looked at it, initially, I was like, I think I'm going to focus on bookkeeping because the, at the time there was more, there was like really strong demand. I was like, I have so many people that want to be doing this with me. And, and I just, I like, it was taking up so much of my brain space. But then when I, um, I actually talked to my own business coach and she asked me a question that really threw me. She was like, but do you love it? Mm. And I was like, I mean, I like bookkeeping. I'm like, I'm good at it. Yeah. People want to buy it from me. It's easy to sell. And she was like, but do you love it? And I was like, I mean, but when I coach people and I was like, I feel called to do that work. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is the work that, that only I can do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and for me, it really came down to, I was like, bookkeeping isn't what my Ted talk is going to be about, yeah. you know, like that's not yeah. like, that's not the big stage for me. And I was like, and that's where I want to, like, I want to help the most people 
And so for me, coaching is a way that I can do that. And so, but yeah, I was, once I made the decision, I was like, oh, how am I going to do this? What am I like, mm. how am I even going to do, like, how am I going to tell my clients? Like where, how am I going to help them make this transition? Mm-hmm. Um, what about my team who is relying on this income to do this work? And it actually ended up being much easier than I thought it was going to be. The timing worked out well for the people working for me were already thinking about scaling back working for me and were afraid of telling me that yeah. um, because they had other things coming on. And, and so it ended up being perfect for them. I had um, a colleague who was looking for more book booking clients. Mm-hmm. So, and my clients overall were really responsive and a number of those people continued to work with me for coaching. They were mm-hmm. like, you know, this is really the part that I get the most value from mm-hmm. with you anyway. So it ended up being a lot easier than when I was able to just separate and go, you know what, this is just, it's just business. Mm -hmm. This is what, this is the change that I need to make. Um, Things really lined up much easier than I thought they were going to be. And it was a much smoother process um, than I anticipated. I had a lot of, I decided a lot of, like I told myself a lot of stories about how that was going to go. Of course. Like, like we do, That's right? That's called anxiety. I, yeah. Like I made all of these decisions of like, oh, everyone's going to be like this and this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And when I was able to just go, you know what? The fact is I'm getting out of this part of my business. Um, it went really well. And I, I was really fortunate that um, I was able to, not only was I able to, to, to successfully transition that part of my business, I um, ended up, I ended up cutting probably 20 hours a week mm-hmm. out of my schedule. That's I huge. kept all of my profits. Um, I was like, wow, I should have like, this is amazing. Like, this is really, um, and I was able to be so much more present for my coaching clients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was able to help those people deeper and better than I've ever been able to do before, because now I'm focused on the thing that, that I am called to do the thing that only I can do that. I love doing that lights me up that when I get off a coaching call, it could be 10 o'clock at night and I get off a coaching call and I'm so energized mm-hmm. because this is the thing that I love doing that helping people with. So mm. it ended up being so much better and easier than I thought it was going to be. There's no substitute for focus and depth. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and so for people listening, we have to constantly clear things out of the way that are, that are, that are <laughs> standing between us and focus and true depth in your work. Yeah. And that's a hard thing yeah, to do, and it, and it might involve pissing some people off, right? But what's also interesting about that is that actually gives you a lot of good information too, right? It's the same. Yes. So for a therapist, when they raise their fee $10 a session, ther- many therapists are petrified about doing that, and yet guess what? It's good for your business. It also illuminates the relationship a little bit, and it illuminates the relationship between the client, how much they value us or value our time, our service, etc. So it's Absolutely. kind of the same for you in a way, which is that if people are going to be jerks, that's actually good information for you because then you can go, cool, Absolutely. you're not going to be a part of my coaching <laughs> practice. <laughs> right, and that's okay. They can yeah. work with somebody. There's other people out there. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think it's funny, too, that you bring up price changes because I also went through a price change in my coaching practice last year. Um which I was so anxious about for so long. I had so much stories about what was going to happen there. And I put it off and put it off and put it off. And when I eventually did it, not only was it, it actually get easier to sell, but everyone I work with now shows up to every single appointment. They've mm-hmm. done all of their homework. They're yeah, asking me insightful in. questions. They're so much more present. Mm-hmm. I'm more present for them. And I'm able to work with fewer people and everybody is getting more out of that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. Wow, this is just a really powerful shift. Um, 
that allowed me to help those people so much better and they're getting so much better results because they are more invested in that and they're showing up for that more. So awesome. Yeah. Lynn, we have um, just a couple minutes left. And uh, so for people listening who maybe feel like either my money's a mess (laughs) and I just need to get started or I'm decent with money, but I know it could be better. Where would you, what would you suggest they do after, uh, after listening to this, this episode? Yeah. So my number one tip for people who are just like, I don't even know where to get started is to start trying to get present with your money. And I actually have a, on, on my website, um, at lynnsummerman.com, there's a, um, right at the top of the page, there's like, I have a free email challenge that helps you sort of walk through this, but essentially what it is, is you're tracking what money is coming in out of your life and you're trying to train yourself more than anything. You're not trying to do anything with that information. You're not tallying this up and wearing it like a hair shirt about how much money you should or shouldn't be spending on X, Y, and Z. It's really about developing a habit of looking and paying attention and mindfulness about that and like coming to looking at your money in sort of a meditative way. Like, oh, this is just a piece of information and just getting really present with that. And that will have a huge impact. And and again, you're not trying to change your behavior here, but your behavior will change in a really effortless way if you're able to be thoughtful and present and mindful with it. And then from there, then I love, I mean, I love budgeting. My favorite tool is called You Need a Budget or YNAB. Mm -hmm. I've been using it. This is my 14th year of using it, um, (laughs) which makes me feel way older. some sort of prize. Like, I know. I'm like, I I talked to them and I was like, you know, they're like, they sent me a t-shirt and like a free year of YNAB. And I was like, come on, do you have any idea how much money I buy all my clients uh, YNAB, (laughs) like when I'm coaching with them? And I'm like, I spend so much more money than your other clients, but I love, I just love that tool. So I love budgeting, but really as a first place is, is just finding a way to get present Mm -hmm. and to let yourself sit with the facts and let yourself feel whatever it is that you're going to feel. And then just let that sort of settle out Mm -hmm. and know that you can look at this. You can pay attention to it. You can be present with the facts of your financial situation and it doesn't have to mean anything about who you are. Mm -hmm. And then from that place, then you can start to build new habits. You can start to build new skills and workflows and those sorts of things but it really so much more successful if you're able to come to it from a place of just like this is just this is just pieces of information that i'm going to use and i'm in charge of how what happens from here mm-hmm. so this has been a fun one i had yeah, a, i had great. an idea that i had an idea that it would be a fun one and i was right <laughs> an enriching one because I, just, I love talking about this stuff so yeah well, that's it shows and you know when you're fired up about what you do people notice that and they're drawn to you you know for that and you it means your work you know, your work actually means something to you um, right well and and again just just to reiterate or to make a, a a plug you know the work that you and I did together it still drives like my thoughts and the way I look at my numbers and the way I think about it and the way I put myself first, honestly, which mm, is the yeah. hardest thing for me personally to do and for many therapists to do. Um, so y- I think you are unlike a lot of kind of money people in that you really, you can do the numbers. Like yeah, we have to look at the numbers. We have to look at the hard facts, but also you really know how to have a delicate hand with people or in this case mm-hmm. with business owners 
who are going to have emotions with all this stuff. So that's yeah. a rare combination. So for therapists listening, if you want help with your money, highly recommend getting in touch with Lynn. Again, lynnsummerman.com. Yeah? Yep, lynnsummerman.com. Yeah, and like we'll you, John, there. my social science grades were way better than my math grades. Well, like I've, I've learned how to be better at the numbers, but I'm <laughs> – way more of a people person yeah and you know ultimately you, you like what the numbers can do for people right you like it exactly yeah you like the again the outcome it's not the numbers that i love it's yeah. it's what it what it can do in terms of changing your life this is this is why we have a lot of parallels i'm realizing as business people because i say the same thing about digital marketing i'm like the digital <laughs> marketing guy and like the google ads guy right and i told i said in a video the other day like a youtube video i was like you guys are going to be shocked that I don't love digital marketing. I don't wake yeah. up and I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to do Google stuff. Right. I, I do that for therapists and I teach therapists that because I love what it does for you and you can have exactly. a fully booked practice and be confident exactly. in it and trust it. Like that's it's what I love. Yeah. It's a tool. Yeah. So a lot of people get that wrong. So it's really funny. You have that about, you know, money too. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with numbers, but better with people. <laughs> same, same as you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lynn, thanks again for being here. So we'll put the yeah. link in the show notes. Folks head to lindsummerman.com to reach out, get in touch, follow Lynn yeah. wherever, wherever. Yeah, you and are, I've, wherever. I just put something yeah. up on my website where you can ask anonymous, embarrassing money questions. Oh, I like that. Um, so there's, you can find that on my my homepage too. So um, that I'll be answering in. Um, you know, future content, social media. I, I mentioned to you, John. I'm I'm planning on starting a podcast. So mm-hmm. so really, you know, ask away. And it's been super fun. People have been asking juicy stuff that we oh, yeah. might not otherwise want to have our name associated with. So that's a great place too to to get some of the embarrassing stuff out of the way. So. I love it. That's that's really <laughs> cool. I might hop on there and ask a couple. Yeah, awesome. To sign it with my initials. Yeah, anonymous. <laughs> Definitely yeah. not John. <laughs> Definitely not John Clark. Definitely not. <laughs> well, thanks yeah. again for doing this. It's good to see yeah, you again. Yeah, thanks and, so much. Good um, to connect with you again. I'll talk to you soon. All righty. I want to thank you for tuning into this episode. I want to remind you, if you are at all interested in joining one of the upcoming Business Made Human coaching groups, head to thejohnclark.com forward slash BMH to apply. That's thejohnclark.com forward slash BMH to apply. And I encourage you do that now, apply now. These slots are going to get filled up really, really quickly. And uh, if you're at all interested, head to that link right now, thejohnclark.com forward slash BMH. All right. I'll see you next time.